Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. All right, open your Bibles to Romans 7 for me this morning. Romans 7, we are in part two of a three-part series called Questions. And what I really felt led towards the end of the year is to look back on the questions I get as a pastor throughout the course of the year. And so, so many things are asked of me, and I, I picked a couple that seemed to be perhaps the most asked. Last week, we talked about how to share our faith. And if you weren't here, then I want to encourage you to get that. We all need to be a witness for Christ. Amen? And so I encourage you to either go back and watch that or you can get that CD. Uh, this morning, um, I'm going to talk for a little bit about um, how do we change? Because we, we hear so many things. We sit under the word. We, we just know in life in general that there's things that we need to get in order. When I say in order, in order with the word of God. How many of you guys know that the Bible is our instruction manual? Whether you like it or not, it is for your good, even the things that you don't like, and especially the things that you don't like. It is for your good. You may not understand them, you may not want to do them, but God provided them so you could have a better life if you'll get your line in life with it. Your, your line in life with it, right? You, you know what I'm talking about. You get your life in line with it. There we go. And so uh, anything that you see in the scripture, when you apply to your life, it just blesses you and prospers you. Amen? Because that's God. And so I want to encourage you guys, when we're talking about these things, anytime we gather, you look in the word for yourself, and then you apply apply those things to your life because we cannot just be hearers of the word. Just being a hearer doesn't necessarily bring change in our life. It's acting on what we've heard. It releases the power of God in our life. So I want to encourage you, especially on today's topic, how do we change? And so that is a big question. We all probably have things in our life that we'd like to change, things that, that perhaps frustrate us, uh, things that we just seemingly can't beat. Uh, maybe there's some things that you constantly feel condemned or you condemn yourself over that you just can't seem to get ahead on. And so we're going to talk about what that looks like this morning. Then we are going to put those things into action during our encounter time. So I'm really excited at how this all works together this morning. So let's take a look at Romans 7. The great thing about this scripture is it really shows us that everybody has uh, the need to change, change something in life. We all do, myself included. And then even the people that we study in the scripture, there are no perfect people. There was only one perfect and his name was Jesus, amen? And so we're all on this journey trying to be like Christ. And so even the Apostle Paul, whom we pattern our life after his writings, two-thirds of the New Testament, most of what we study probably in church was written by Paul. He had his own struggles. In fact, he's very open when he shares it with us. It makes me feel better to know that he was going through some stuff. He says this in Romans seven fifteen, New Living Translation, I don't really understand myself. I mean, you've ever made that statement. For I want to do what is right but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. That is probably a constant struggle for many of us. And it could just be one area or many areas in our life. And so even Paul went through that and a lot of our heroes in the Bible, if you will, which again is great comfort to me. But there is a way out and, and throughout the scripture there's things that are shown to us that give us the power, give us instruction to apply to our life that can help us become victorious. And so this message is for all of us who come here and feel God's presence. You'll come and you'll feel God's presence. And, and if you're like me during time of praise and worship, you get into it, you feel a little, a little guilty at first, but then maybe you say, God, forgive me of this. God, forgive me of that. I really love you. I know you know in my heart. We make peace with God. We repent, if you will. We, we feel the presence of God. It's so wonderful, so cleansing, so uplifting. And we make a decision. We make a commitment. I'm not going to do that anymore. Then we go right back out in the world, and there we are faced with our challenges, with our struggles. And so um, it is an ongoing uh, battle, but there are some things, again, like 
like I said, that we can apply into our life that will help us. And so this is for all of us who have areas in our life that we want, we need to change. And if we don't do that, if we're not willing to do that and make those things happen, what we do is we find that those issues, and maybe they already have become this, but those issues, those areas in our life, then become our identity. We just identify with them. If we don't take care of them, it's just become part of who we are, and somehow we're okay with that. Like, it's just, I've always been that way, I'm always gonna be that way. Don't raise your hand if you've said that or heard that. Or my dad was that way, my granddad was that way, and you know, it's the, the Scottish blood in me, or, or my Mexican blood in me, or whatever that is, right? We hear that all the time, and, and, we, and the reality is, if you uh, don't deal with those things, you just begin to identify with them, and that's not what God wants. God wants you to identify with him, amen? And then, and then if we don't deal with that, it becomes increasingly hopeless where we keep trying to fail and trial and fail and try and fail and we're just like, what's the point anymore? We get to that point of wanting to give up and then when we get to that, get to that point, it's like we become a slave to it. It controls our life, whether you realize it or not and usually we don't because we've identified with it so much, we've given up hope, it becomes a part of who we are but other people see that and may even point it out and then you'll be defensive about it. Well, leave me alone. Pull the plank out of your own eye, why don't you, right? You know? It's this thing that, it's this trap. And then ultimately, we really lose our life or our identity or our purpose because now we've allowed that to consume us, rule us. And so I want you to know that there is a way out, amen? And he who the sun sets free is free indeed. And Jesus came, amen? Jesus came to make us brand new. If any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creature. The old is passed away and all things become new, amen? See, God doesn't want to improve the old you. He wants to make a new you. And listen, and God doesn't want to just help you cope. He wants to help you change. Amen? And so let's get rid of this idea of just, I want to, I'm going to be a little improved on who I am, or I'm just trying to cope through life. No, 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 no. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen? We want to change. We want that brand new. And the enemy's out there trying to steal your, and kill and destroy your potential. But God has this unique ability. Understand, the only way this happens is by applying, applying the things of God, because only God has a unique ability to take all the things in your life that the enemy meant for bad and to turn to good. He's got to be the focal point because he's the only one that has that ability to do that and to bring about that change in our life. And so we're going to look at some scripture this morning because uh, it's important for us to be able to overcome those things and understand God wants to redeem whatever it is in your life. So let me ask you this question. What is it that you need to change? And that thing to come up that you probably, just beginning for me to talk about this, the thing's probably bounced around in your mind already. And it's something that you would say, if I could just change this, what is that in each and every one of us? And let's take a look at Romans 6.12. Take a look at Romans 6.12. Here's what it says. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Well, yeah, we don't want to be controlled that way. We don't want to give in. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Exactly. I mean, we don't want that. But here's the way out. I don't know how to make myself uh, find a way out of this. So it tells us instead, here's the secret. Give yourselves completely to God. And it's more than just saying, well, I'm here, aren't I? <laughs> I mean, I come on Wednesday as much as I can. Listen, give yourself completely to God does not just mean go to church as much as you can. Come on. And listen, a lot of us think we're giving ourselves completely to God, but let's just be brutally honest. It's not a hard message. It's a hope message. We'll get there in a minute. But listen, a lot of us are almost completely. And, and, but the secret is to go all in. Amen. 
Every day we're making decisions. Again, we're not asking for perfection. God's not asking for that. We slip, we fall, we make mistakes, but we get back up and go right back at it. So we want to give ourselves completely to God. That's the secret, the secret to change. And then it goes on to say this. Uh, give yourselves completely to God. Next scripture. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Amen? Sin no longer is your master because of what Jesus has done, for you no longer live under requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. You can change in Jesus' name, amen? Amen, amen. So let me, let me say this, Jeremiah 29, 13, the same idea, it says that you will seek me, listen to this, and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Let me just throw this question out there for you to ponder. We're not gonna discuss it this morning, but maybe you can think about it, meditate on it. Then if I'm reading this, that you find him when you seek him with all your heart, do you find him when you don't seek him with all your heart? That's just something for you to ponder. We're not gonna go there and you meditate and you can give me your thoughts on that later. I'll leave that with you. But let's look at how to go all in. And let me say this, what have we got to lose? Because if we're not going all in, it's not really working. Let's just be honest. Not like it could or should. So what have we got to lose? So what would happen if we followed the instruction manual like it is? What would happen if we applied it to our life like it says to apply? So let's do this. Number one, let's get rid of the excuses. We have got to get rid of the excuses. I mean, we all have them. We love them. We use them. There are no shortage of excuses. And in fact, our excuses, we can justify or try to justify. We can even get people sympathetic on our side with our excuses. Oh, yeah. Oh, I hear you. Oh, I didn't know that. But you know who doesn't buy into your excuses? <laughs> the only one that you cannot fool. The only one that you cannot pull the wool over his eyes. And that is God. He knows everything. There are no secrets. He knows where you put your time, affection, energy, resources. Amen? He knows all that. So your excuses mean nothing to him. And so I want to encourage you, let's get rid of the excuses. Hey, at some point, we have to get rid of the excuses. And we have to say, today, November 29th, 2015, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to live that way. I'm not going to be controlled that way. I will no longer identify with that in my life. I will not be a slave to that in Jesus' name. I will not live with hopelessness anymore. Amen. I have the hope that comes in Jesus Christ. Today is the day I break free. When we get to encounter time, come on, it's not encounter time this morning. It's break free time in Jesus' name. Amen. It's getting rid of excuses time. It's starting new. It's starting fresh. Today is the day. Jesus was constantly calling people to follow him. Come with me, come follow me. Let's go to a higher level, another place. Let's go, let's take our life up to another place. And so many people, even following Jesus, walking and talking with him, had excuses. Luke 14, 18 through 20 says this, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field, I must go and see it. Can I just say, wouldn't you go look at it before you bought it? Just me, that's what I would do. And please excuse me. Another would say, I just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Hey, test drive them later. They'll still be there waiting for you. Another said, I just got married so I cannot come. There is no shortage of excuses. I'm reminded of the story where Jesus had a mass of people gather around. He preached the gospel and then the Bible says he healed them all. He told his followers, let's go to the other side. There's something waiting for us over there we need to do. A man that was a follower of Jesus, a disciple looked at Jesus and said, I'm going with you. And Jesus looked at him and he said this, he goes, it's not going to be easy. Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. It's not going to be comfortable or convenient. The man didn't go with him. 
Wasn't comfortable enough for him. Then the next man stood in line, stood behind him, said, I'm going with you, Jesus, but first I need to go bury my my dad. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead, which seems like a harsh statement, but you know what Jesus was saying? Hey, you don't have your priorities right. You don't follow me just when it's convenient on your time frame. You need to be all in. Understanding that day, if you were to study it out, when someone passed away, they buried him within 24 hours. The chances of that man's dad actually being dead at that moment were slim to none. But what he was saying was, my dad is sick. We're waiting for him to die. Once I'm done with this, then I'll go follow you. Hey, listen, we need to go all in. No more excuses, amen? We need to make sure that we're all in. You know why? Because he's all in for us. I mean, you want to talk about someone who could have given real excuses? Jesus, and he actually kind of said, if there's any other way, God, than me to go to the cross and face all this, hey, let's find that. But then he said, but nonetheless, I'm ready. No excuses, I'm going all in. We need to get rid of the excuses. For those who are willing to go all in, know this, God will move in your life greatly. Just try it. Listen, we've had to this point in time over 900, probably around 900 salvations in our first service throughout this year. People giving their heart to Christ. Brand new starts. Old things passed away. I want to speak to all 900 of you right now. I know you're not in this service alone, but listen, go all in. On December 9th, we have a water baptism ceremony on December 9th, service rather. Go all in. Keep going. Don't stop. Don't quit. Let me give you number two. Number two, you need to do this to change. Make the break. Make the break. There's always a break. In other words, in order to do something, you always have to break away from something. In order to move forward for something, you'll have to break away from something. If you're going to try and move forward towards what God has for you, there will always be something trying to hold you back. Always. There's a real enemy that does not want you to change. He wants to keep you bound up, a slave to that in your life. But if you want to change, there will be something practical, something intentional. You'll have to break away from and break away to. And now, think about that for you. What is that that you need to break away from, that you've tried to break away from? In fact, for some, it might be something like your computer and things that you're looking at or or secret life there or or social media or things that you've gone and got sucked into all that time, emotion, energy. Uh, For some, it might be things like movies and things that you're caught up in and things that you're reading, things that you're watching. For some, it might be like relationships. You don't have right relationships, they're going to pull you down. They're going to hold you back. You need to break free from some of that. If you're doing things, go back to the computer and all those social media and things and and movies and music. You know what? You need to put some guards around that, right? Break away. If you're going to break away from that, you're going to have to do something about it. Not just hoping, praying, wishing, wanting that doesn't work. And if you're in a relationship that's an unhealthy, not godly relationship, you're going to have to break away from that. You're going to have to end that. You know, I have a 15 and 16-year-old, 15, 16-year-old girls. Let me talk to our young ladies for a moment. If you're in a relationship that, and the boy's trying to pressure you to do something, let me give you some pastoral advice. Get your phone out right now. Pull his name up on your phone. And I know you shouldn't be texting or calling guys, but your pastor's going to give you one freebie on this one, right? And you text in there, it's over, and hit send. You got to break away from something. Break away. Well, he's going to change. No, he's not. Young man, I'll tell you the same thing then. You have to break away from something to get onto what God has for you. If you're in a relationship and you know you're not at that point, you're not being pressured for that yet, but you feel like it's going there, stop it right now. Break away. Break away from it. Hey, it's worth it. When you honor God and those things, he's going to take care of you. Trust him. Go all in. What do you got to lose? But if you want change in your life, you're going to have to break away from some things. We're going to have to do some things like that. 
get out of that. Um, your life will change when you have no more excuses and you go all in. Your life will change when you're willing to make a break, not tomorrow, but today. Second Corinthians 6, 14 through 18, here's what it says. Do not be yoked, say yoked. That word yoked literally means pulled together in commonality. And a yoke was a piece of wood that was put between two oxen in that day that held two oxen together so they'd pull in the same direction. The Greek word for yoked is the word koinonia, and it means to have common fellowship with. It literally means this, that you're so close to it that it impacts you. So listen, it's not just talking about unbelievers. Do not be yoked or have common fellowship with unbelievers. It's not just meaning that, but it can mean a secular spirit. It could mean popular culture. Do not have common fellowship with so close that it impacts you with secularism. And that might be, you need to manage what you're listening to. You need to manage what you're watching. You need to manage who you're listening to. Compromise, things contrary to the Bible because that's a book for the old day. We're talking about new. And listen, it's being interpreted this way. No, if it's contrary to the word of God, then don't have fellowship with that. Fellowship that will impact your life. It's not just meaning people. I want you to get that picture. It's not much meaning people. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Nothing. What do fellowship, what fellowship can light and darkness have? None. Next one. What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Belial is the name for the devil. None. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Nothing. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? None. Now listen to this next phrase. For we are the temple of the living God. Amen. You are the temple of the living God. In the Old Testament, the temple was a sanctuary. It is the building where the presence of God dwelt. In the New Testament, the Bible says you are the temple. You are the sanctuary where the presence of God dwells. Amen. This place, this building, as awesome as it is, as wonderful as it is, is not holy. Holy. You are holy. The presence of God lives and dwells in you. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. So we need to live that way. Break away from the things that are not of God. Don't have common fellowship with. You're holy. And so we need to live out there like we live in here. Amen? And it goes on to say this. I will live with them. When you do this, I will live with them, walk among them. I'll be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Make the break. Let me give you the third and final thing. No more excuses or get rid of the excuses. Number two, make the break. Number three, fill the void. Fill the void. In other words, if you want to change, you can't just stop doing something without starting to do something. You can't just stop something without starting something. And that's really where we have a problem. I'm just not going to do that anymore. Just not going to think about that. Not going to say that. Not going to do that. And guess what? If you don't replace that thing with something godly, the world will still have an appeal to you. It will still be attractive to you if you don't replace it or fill the void. Let me give you four ways to fill the void. If you're serious about life change and you're gonna stop the excuses, you're gonna make the break and you're willing to fill the void, number one, here's how you do that. Give everything to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, before we get into our our time of encounter, you'll have the opportunity to give your life to him. There's no greater decision that could ever be made for man. 
old things will be passed away, all things will become new. You cannot hope to change without the power of Jesus in your heart and your life, and he has made a way where there seems to be no way. If you are a follower of Jesus, then you need to go all in. You don't need to play church. You don't need to just come and go. You do things, you need to go all in. What would it be like if we fell passionately in love with Jesus? What would it be like if we didn't just get saved to avoid hell? <laughs> I mean, what would it be like if we wanted actually an actual full-on relationship? I'm madly in love with Jesus. What would it be like if we lived that way? Uh, what would it be like if worship to you and I just weren't songs that we sing during our time of praise and worship, but it was a way of living? What would it be like to you and I if we're going to worship that we would worship? If we're coming to worship, that we just worship. What would it be like if we we're coming to sing that we would just sing and we would sing with everything we have? What would it be like if we sang as loud as we could, as passionately as we could when we gathered? What would it be like if we raised our hands like we're raising our hands at a ball game? What would it be like instead of the half mass, we went all in right here and didn't care what anybody said or did and we would just raised our hands? What would it be like if we, if we gave but we really gave? We gave with our whole heart, a cheerful heart like Pastor Cody talked about. What would it be if we served not out of obligation, but we served because we wanted people's lives to be changed. That's what I'm talking about. What would it be like? You want to change in your life? Then you need to give everything to Jesus. Ephesians 5.18 says this, do not get drunk on wine. Let's talk about that for just a moment. Let's use that word wine. I don't believe it just is exclusively wine. And I'm not talking about an alcohol thing here. I'm talking about don't get drunk on relationships. Don't get drunk on hobbies. Don't get drunk on sports. Don't get drunk on money. Don't get drunk on career. Don't get drunk on God. Anything that would try and take its place and your affection and attention to, don't get drunk on that. Whatever is in the way, don't get drunk on that. Which leads here, because here's why, it leads to debauchery. Debauchery is an interesting word. It literally means extreme indulgence of your senses. So it says, if you get drunk on these things other than God, all you're doing is feeding your soul and your flesh. And you're feeding your soul and your flesh. But here's what the Bible says. Instead, don't feed your soul and your flesh. Instead, be filled. Say filled. Be filled with the Spirit of God. What is he saying? Fill the void with godly things, not worldly things. You want a change in your life? Fill the void with godly things. You need your spirit to be filled up. Filled to the top. Well, there's no room for anything else. Filled to the top. That's what we need to build. It says, fill the void, replace those things with the Spirit of God. Fill it up all the way and go all in. Number two, get in a small group. Oh, here we go. Hey, listen, you'll always tell me to, hear me tell you to get in a small group. You can't fix life by yourself. Well, all I need is me and God. Nope, not according to God. We need each other. We need each other. You cannot fix your life all by yourself. You weren't designed to do it alone. Proverbs 28, 13 says this. Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. You need a friend. You need somebody else. Ecclesiastes 4, 8 through 12 says this. There was a man all alone. He had neither son or brother. He didn't want anybody else. Didn't think he needed anybody else. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content. Next verse. For who am I toiling, he asks. Why am I depriving myself of enjoying? Nothing's changing. I didn't, I'm not engaging anybody else. I'm trying to figure this all out on my own. It's too meaningless. It's a miserable business. 
Listen, but two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls, one can help the other up, but pity anyone. I always want to say pity the fool, right? Back to, okay. But pity anyone who falls, and now, now you'll always want to do that. Anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, or really it could read this way, though one will be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strand is not quickly or easily broken. Listen, you really want to change, you're going to have to engage other people. It's a principle in the word. Listen, small groups are not just another way for you to have another lesson. We're just trying to get another sermon in you. We're not. We're not trying to get another lesson in you, another Bible study in you. We're not trying to get you to read your Bible more, pray more. I mean, we are in a sense, but that's not what small groups are for. Really, small groups are because you need a friend. Listen, they are so, uh, they're, they're hopefully, they're so that you hopefully will get close enough to someone that you'll feel close enough to someone that you'll say, can I tell you something I've never told anyone before? Can I share something with you I've just been consuming me? Can I talk to you about something that I just, no matter what, I just, I can't seem to break free. Can, can I ask you to pray with me about something? I need somebody to stand and agree with me. That's what a small group's for. Oh, you may grow in your marriage. You may grow in your understanding of finances, biblical finances. You may grow in, in, in prayer. You, you may grow, you may, you may do all that. And that's great. That's icing on the cake. But small groups are for you to connect so you can change your life and they can change theirs through a relationship. And really, can I be honest with you? That's really where a lot of the change happens. It's not necessarily just gonna come from just sitting under another sermon. I just need another sermon on it. I'm gonna go download another sermon on the topic. I'm gonna go this conference is speaking about this. I'm gonna go that workshop. I'm gonna get that seminar. I'm gonna get this and that. Hey, at some point in time, you're gonna have to engage with someone else to find freedom. And that's just really a biblical principle and a biblical truth. In fact, take a look at James 5.16. Here's what it says. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, I just need to confess my sins to God. You're right. Confess your sins to God and the Bible says and he is faithful and just to forgive you. You confess your sins to God, guess what he does? He provides forgiveness. You confess and work on it with other people, it provides healing. I'm confessing my sin to God and I'll find healing. You'll find forgiveness. You work on that issue then with somebody else and you'll find healing. You read the same scripture I'm reading? God set it up that way. I'm not saying to just anybody. I'm talking about, you know, in fact, if you're in a small group, within that small group, you, you have a small group. You may not share things with the whole group, but you need to find somebody you can share with. You want to change? You want to fill that void? Get in a small group. Okay, I got to move on. Let me give you another thing to fill a void. Find your purpose in life. Find your purpose. We can't live our lives and we typically try to, trying to solve our problems. Our life would just be consumed with our, ourselves and our own I got my own problems, right? I'm missing enough I can do to keep my own head above the water. I'm just trying to help me right now. I can't help anybody until I help me. Listen, we need to live our life for something bigger than our problems. You want to find a way out of your problems? Find your purpose. When your purpose becomes greater than your problem, when you focus on your purpose, your problems will get solved. Come on. When you focus on who you are and what you're to do on this planet, your purpose from being here, God will take care of your problems. You focus on your problem, you're missing out on what God wants to do in and through you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. When you refresh others, you'll be refreshed.
when you find your purpose, when your purpose becomes bigger than your problem for your life. We need a purpose, we need to know why we exist. When we have purpose, we are more fulfilled and more focused. Acts 20, 24, New Living Translation. This is Paul speaking, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord. My life is worth nothing unless I am doing what God created me to do. My life is nothing unless I am doing what I was put on the planet to do. My life is nothing unless I am finding my purpose and walking it out. That's the Apostle Paul. You want to fill the void, find your purpose. And let me just say this, that's why we have a growth track. Growth track is just not for new people at Tree and new believers. If you're looking for your purpose, we have two classes that will help you find it next time growth track comes around. But don't wait for that. Be looking for your purpose. And Paul says, I I have my eyes on the prize. Listen, you need a prize to keep your eyes on, to keep your focus. We need something in life to live for that gives us focus and gives us purpose. Let me give you the last one. Fill the void. Last one. No excuses. We had the, the no excuses. Make the break. And then we're filling the void. Here's the last one to fill the void. Live your life for the good of others. Kind of just tags right along with the purpose. Live your life for the good of others. The most fulfilled people in life that I talk to, that I find, that I know, are those who are living for the good of others and not themselves. You know, that's what Jesus did. Well, once I get this figured out, once I change, once I do that, you know, it is your way to change. When you live your life for others, you will find change. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. First Peter 4, 10 through 11 says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very word of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. In other words, whatever your gifts and callings are, do it for the Lord and God will honor that. Whatever you've been gifted with and whatever he's given and gifted you with, if you'll find that place and put it in service, then you will find your void being fulfilled. You'll find a way to change. And I'm not using this as a way to get more volunteers. There's not a recruiting table out in the gathering place. And yes, we have holes that we need to fill. We have people as we grow, especially that kind of thing. But listen, serving is for your benefit first. Well, pastor, you just need more people to serve in the nursery or parking lot or whatever. You know, that may be the case, and I don't typically know what the numbers are, but here's what I do know. It is to your benefit first. It is for your good. It is for your well-being. If you want to change and grow and be all that God has called you to, then serving is an absolute must. It is necessary, and it is powerful. And you won't find change or complete fulfillment until you learn to serve other people. Amen? We need to do that. That's what we have the all-star team. You hear us talking about the all-star team. Get signed up somewhere to serve. Serve somewhere. It's powerful and it's necessary and it will help you change. Fill the void. We said go all in with Jesus. Get in a small group. Find your purpose in life. Live your life for the good of others. Listen, you have to replace something with something. If you do not fill the void, if you just try and stop If you just try and, you know, Jesus never said stop it. He said do this instead. If you do that, then you'll find change coming to your life. If you don't do, then you will find yourself being attracted back to the world. The world will become and still be appealing to you no matter how hard you try and fight it if you don't fill the void. 
So make no excuses, make the break and fill the void and watch your life begin to change. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.